right? And it separates you out from that. And the Spirit actually empowers you to live holy as well. And so the tough thing about a retreat like this is that a lot of people heard lots of different things. And some of it is exceptionally personal. Right? That's like, I, I recognized that when I was like trying to figure out who could give testimony. Some of that is exceptionally personal. You know, there's sins that we have in our life that sometimes are like secrets. And trudging them up is not easy. It's an incredibly uncomfortable thing to do. And there's only a handful of people in your life who even need to know about those deep, deep and dark things. Not everyone needs to know that stuff, right? But the key is that someone needs to know. That you need to have and invite family into your life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, they're going to hold you to a higher standard for faith and for living. And that's what this retreat was about. And there's many of you here who are still wrestling through what that means for you. And so before we even get started today, I want to challenge all of the Bible study leaders to be exceptionally intentional over the next couple weeks to make sure that we have these intimate conversations where people can be vulnerable and they can share what it is that God's showing them, what it is that they need to let go of, things that they need to die to so that we can hold one another accountable. If Bible studies aren't a place of fellowship and accountability, where are you going to get that in your life? You know, you've tried that. Right? You've tried fellowshipping and doing accountability other ways, and you know what? It doesn't work. Bible study is the perfect place where you have a small group of people who are going to hold you to, that, to, to living out Christ. Right? And so we want to make sure that we're intentional about that. Okay, so there's a handful of people that I've invited to share this morning. And, and so I'm going to invite them up. You, don't, you guys, the funny thing is, you don't even know the order I'm going to ask you to come up in. You don't even know, right? So you've got to stay on your toes this morning. Yeah? Dude, it's so good to see you, man. Okay. Um, so I'm going to invite Tobias up first. Because I think he can handle it. All right. So um, let's pray again. Okay. Um, you ready? Yeah. Okay. Dude, you don't look ready. You looked at me like... What? I said I was given zero instructions, but let's do this. Yes, yeah, so here's the instructions. So let's set the groundwork. Four to five minutes. Okay? Then you hand it off to me. And then I invite the next person out. And we have a blast. Sounds great. Okay. All right. All right, so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this time. I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you for this family. I think about what, you, I, I think about what you're doing in the lives of each individual. I just spent so much time at retreat just looking at my kids and just finding so much joy in the stumbling and the difficulty and the friendships and the challenging and watching them grow. It just brings me so much joy, Lord. Uh, I, I love how much you love them. And God, I just pray that you would make us into exactly what you want us to be. And that, God, we would rise to all of the challenges and the trials that you allow to come into our lives, Lord. We would rise to those things, and we would find intimacy with you there, and we would know that there is power and faith to be had in every, every situation. And that all of us would be growing, and that we would be working and serving, uh, Lord, to spread the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ, to the entire world. That's what we want to do. And, God, uh, holiness in many regards uh, is the prerequisite to be used. And so, God, we just pray that you would draw us into a greater, a greater, um, more holy 
and set apart lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm guessing you want me to stand close to the recorder. Sweet. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so if I, first of all, if I go short, I'm thinking I'll continue the trend on telling a story about Bustos' kids, because that seems to be <laughs> a reoccurring theme. But, um, man, I want to give some background, I think, um, first of all, to how I got here, and it gives them a little bit more context as to how this retreat impacted me. I've, you know, I've been here for five, six months now, and so much of that conviction to just spontaneously move to Kansas City after graduation was about, God, how would you have more control of my life and the tangible and the practical things that I'm living out day to day? And as I walked through highs and lows of all of that transition, I found myself coming back in the last month or so to this study I had done on the presence of the Lord and the satisfaction of that alone. And was really wrestling with God, what, what do you have on my heart that I'm not seeing? Like David says, search my heart and know it. God, would you take your word and use it like a fire to refine whatever I'm not seeing to be aligned to your will? And, and man, I came into this holiness, this purity conference, as Jorge says it, um, not really sure what to expect, not really seeing anything on my radar that as of today, like, God, you've got to fix this. And Man, Brian's message hit me home. Um, I mean, they all did, but specifically the Holy Spirit gave me a sucker punch when he talked about the predictable accidents. Um, and all of a sudden, and I should preface, God is so faithful to want to align willing children to his will that he'll even show you things you didn't know before were sin, that they were. So for me, God says, look, there, you had a friend a year ago who you failed to honor. And in the moment, you took that as liberty on yourself, that you had the freedom to do what you did, even when they presented you a stumbling block. Um, so for me, it was, it was this heavy weight to say, God, if, if I really truly want to be fully on board with you, that's not just my present. It's aligning the past mistakes I have with this blessed hope that I have and saying, okay, no matter what happens, no matter what I did in the past, I... I have the opportunity to reconcile that. You say I can be free from it by owning it. So for me, holiness is, was not just about saying, God, what am I doing right now right? It was saying, how, how am I admitting my faults to you so that you'd be glorified in spite of my weakness? Um, so man, like I had, I had a really, could have been awkward, but awesome phone call last night with my friend, just reconciling, calling out, hey, I, I should have honored you in this way and I failed to. And, and God was even more faithful to say, guess what, that, that friend didn't, even, didn't feel bothered at all by it, didn't, didn't feel burdened by it in the moment, but now I get to stand here and feel legitimately at peace saying, you know what, God, I, I'll embrace awkward moments, I'll embrace stuff like that any day of my life, if it means I, I get the peace of God that passes understanding. Um, so for me, that's largely what I got from the retreat, and I'm, and I'm stoked to be here surrounded by a family of misfits, um, man, who just own it. And they accept that in spite of our weakness, that's precisely when God wants to use us, if we're willing to submit to him. Um, so that's my, my thing. Yeah. I'll just use this, if that's fine. Um, so 
man, praise God for that. And I know that I think there was other similar convictions. Um, you know, a huge part of um, being holy is recognizing that you need to be in unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so areas of contention that exist, uh, things that you've, you've allowed to be like divisive or even like secretly divisive, like things that are just below the surface. Um, you know, the, the person that, that you know you, you're, you should be close to, but it's more like just kind of like a, one of those relationships where it's like, hey, what's up? And then you just keep going your way. Uh, man, that's, that gets in the way of what God wants to do. And so we need to make sure that we're being reconciled to, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And there might be some of you who just heard Tobias's testimony who recognize it's time for you to have that conversation with that brother or that sister that has kind of just gone beneath the surface a little bit. It's just been unaddressed. We don't do that. We don't do that here, okay? And so we need to, we need to make sure we deal with that. So thank you for sharing that. I'm going to actually ask Connor to be our next person. She actually had to work real hard at getting down to the retreat. She couldn't be there with us on fr- uh, Friday morning, but she came down uh, midday on, on, on Friday. And uh, so we love you and, and we're thankful for whatever God's about to share with us. I was hoping I would go last just in case you ran out of time and then I wouldn't have to do it. <laughs> um, so like what Brandon said, let me check for time. Okay, I'm not going to go over. Okay, so like what Brandon said, it was unsure whether or not I was able to go, but this is like, aside from like the point I'm going to make in a second, but it's like a prelude, I guess. Like, trust God that he will take care of you when you follow him, because like I didn't know going into retreat how I was supposed to get all my responsibilities done. Like it didn't make any sense at all. But then every time I had to like face them, for those of you who don't know, I'm in medical school. So every time I'd have to face it, I would face it in prayer. And then like I'd look up and it was like the most productive time I'd ever had in my life. When I went to retreat, being prepared and having everything else sorted out because God blessed that commitment. So that's what I want to encourage you guys with. Like Matthew 6.33 is very true. Like, seek the kingdom of God first, and then those things will be added to you. So, um, so God talked to me a lot in my um, quiet time on Saturday morning, and then also, of course, through, like, the two sessions that I was able to sit in on about, like, what it means to be the temple of God. And, like, for those of us who come from, like, um, a Western background, sometimes it's hard to, like, really understand what a temple is um, and what a temple should be or shouldn't be. But, like, last summer I was able to spend time in Vietnam and we were able to see temples and and really understand what that looks like when... um, I mean, Satan wants to build temples to idols. He wants people to be taken away from the gospel of light. So um, I have, like, a, a image I'm going to send later, do, like, via the WhatsApp of, like, some temples to look at, and I think it's, like, something good to look at. But um, <clears throat> so he talked me a lot about the temple and then also about me being the temple, and that's a lot of what, like, Eric talked about. Or, sorry, Brian. I pointed at Brian and said Eric. Uh, that's a lot of what Brian talked about, like, that we are the right place. We're the temple of the living God, and the focus should be on God. So, like, I think about the verse that he talked about, Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen, and how he is the Holy One, and, like, our whole lives should be built around God being on the throne of our hearts. But oftentimes it's easy for other things to get onto that throne, and those things are idols, right? And that could be sin. I mean, all idols, idolatry is sinful. And it's sinful because it actually breaks, like, the first and the greatest commandment, which is to have no other gods, and then also to love God. Um, 
So that's why it's so sinful to have idols. But we oftentimes put those idols on the throne that God should be on in our lives. Um, And then something else I noticed when I was in Vietnam was that people would have idols within their house. They'd have like an idol shelf, um, and it would oftentimes be in like the main living area. But they're also dispersed throughout the house, like on the roof. It would be like, here's the um, altar to the garden gods that we have, and here's the altar to the kitchen gods, and all these different things, but they dwelt with those idols. And as Christians, we should be dwelling with God. We are the temple of God, and oftentimes in my life as I'm looking for direction, I want to hear God's voice. I want to hear him directing me, right? But that can only happen if I'm abiding with him, if he really is on that throne, and if I'm living in a holy way, which is just putting him on that throne. Um, so my, my quiet time <laughs> was in Numbers, which is funny because Numbers talks about preparing the, the temple and the tabernacle. and every, Well, it's the tabernacle. But um, it talks about preparing that, and it gives the blueprints for how beautiful it should be. And you have in, like, number seven that Moses heard the voice of God speaking from the mercy seat. And so that's, that was the focus of that tabernacle was the mercy seat. And, like, in our lives as a temple of God, like, God needs to be the focus of it so that we can hear his voice. So, like, in my life, whenever I hear silence in the temple, whenever the the hallways are quiet, is it because I'm following something other than God? Because right now, like, I need guidance in my life, but I can't have that unless I'm seeking God and listening to him and putting him first and casting down idols. Um, And so, like, Joseph and then Job and Daniel, they made that decision. They purposed in their heart that they wouldn't sin against God. So, like, I need to have those fences up. I need to um, just be careful and not putting anything above God because that's idolatry. Um, And then also I was reading in John 10, and John 10 talks about how God is our shepherd, and he talks about how, like, the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. And because they recognize the shepherd's voice, they can follow that voice, and they can follow the shepherd. Um, and when other voices come up, they, can't, they don't follow those voices because they're not the shepherd's voice. So it's like, are we listening to his voice? Is he on the throne? Or are we listening to other voices? Like, there are a lot of voices at KU Med. Like, in my own life, there's a lot of voices. Like, oh, you need to be successful. You need to do this. But am I going to follow God's voice? And then the last thing, talking about beautifying the temple... Um, so this was Brian or Eric's message <laughs> about the judgment seat of Christ. And like um, something you'll notice about temples is that they're always very beautiful. And, you know, God's temple that he had outlined is very beautiful. Like everything is very ornate and intricate. And he has all these blueprints. But like as the temples of God, God wants us to be beautiful spiritually as well. And so my time in, the, in that quiet time Saturday morning was in Song of Solomon 1. And it talks about how um, she says, like, oh, I'm so ugly and, like, all these bad things have happened to me and I'm not of worth. But then the end of the chapter ends with Solomon saying, no, you're beautiful and you're like silver and you're like gold. And then he says, I will make you beautiful. And so, like, talking about the judgment seat of Christ, I I always put so much pressure on myself to bear fruit because I want to look beautiful to God. Like, I want to have the gold and the silver in his temple. But at the same time, he's the one who does that. Like, I don't have to try hard. It goes back to, like, the whole, like, listening to God's voice within the temple. I just need to abide with him. Like, the houses in Vietnam, they had idols. They dwelt with those idols. I need to dwell with God instead in this temple. Um, And so that's kind of what God showed me. I had, like, a lot of verses, but I don't have time to talk about them, obviously. But, like, I need to make sure that my temple is holy. That's not just sexual sin. 
Like that's a lot of different things. That's like laziness, that's gluttony, that's all these besetting sins. And the only way I can actually do that is not by trying harder. You need to set those guidelines. I need to set those guidelines. But at the same time, when I dwell with Christ, when I abide with him and spend time with him and pray and, and trust him and follow his Holy Spirit, that's when that will happen, when I can be holy and then he'll make his temple beautiful and it'll be a beautiful temple for like a righteous God. So that's what I got. Connor always brings the heat, doesn't she? She's always so well prepared. You know, the thing that I think that I I pulled from what she was saying that I think we need to continue to consider is that we don't need to be focused just on what we want to be, okay? We need to focus on what we want to be as much as we want to focus on what we don't want to be. In other words, these two things have to be at play all the time, uh, all the time. Like, I I know what I'm striving to be. I also know what I'm striving not to be. Right? And those are those fences that she was talking about, just determining in your mind, like just like Joseph did, I will not associate with unclean things. Right? I will not associate with myself with, with people of wickedness. I will choose not to let those people impact me. And those, those fences are important, right? Uh, creating determinations in your mind. I will, not, I will not touch the unclean thing. Okay? And I will pursue the Lord. Both things have to be true. And the other thing that she mentioned was how intimacy is what begets motivation, okay? And so the idea that we need to dwell with God is actually just preparing our hearts and motivating our hearts for the proper perspective that God wants to give us. And some of us are trapped in a cycle of sin because we haven't chosen to make Jesus Christ the forefront of everything that we do. Like, the, we, he isn't our best friend, we don't pursue him in every regard. And so our motivations are off. And so we don't know who we want to be, and we don't know what we don't want to be. We're just kind of in between somewhere. And that, that is a, a very dangerous place to be. And, and so I'm thankful for your testimony and, and what you shared. Uh, I'm going to actually ask Uriah to come up next. Uriah, you ready to roll wherever you are? Okay, so God, I kind of took three sort of main points away from retreat. It's a very hectic adventure of studying and learning and hearing a lot, and so it's something that you had to be very intentional, and maybe we still do. A lot of us just need to sit down and just start writing and thinking about what even God said and what we're going to walk away with it from. But So three things I kind of got. I think the biggest things are, one of the, the first point would be that I need to take God's perspective on holiness. Um, and really, um, I think Brian's message, um, I think in my flesh, I would hear examples that you shared about like sneaking your table into work or like different things like that. And, and it kind of made me, because in my mind, I'm like, not a big deal. I'll, I'm going to take a table into work because I want to. And they were like, you know, I'm going to take this tool that no one else uses home you know like I just I have like I have like a cut corners version of holiness but like what Brian's message really did was convicted me that that's not there's nothing in the Bible that would lead you to believe that God's a cut corners kind of God like there's there's a difference between grace and then the meticulous like Connor was saying like length and color of the drapes on a specific wall in his you know 
th that's not, th that doesn't line up. And so that's wrong of me to act that way. And so that's something I have to, to give to God and um, to take holiness as seriously as he does. Um, and then the second one is that there are just areas in my life where um, I don't necessarily have to come to God with an answer to move forward. Like there's, there's like problems or like a, maybe a cycle or something like that where you would recognize that something needs to change. And, and my tendency is to like, I want to have like an answer. I want to come to God with like, help me to move forward in this. And I think that was also Brian's message, but where it's like, okay to just come to God at a loss for words. And yeah, it was because you used Hannah as an example of just um, being desperate for God to do something in her life and, and coming to him in that position, believing um, that, that he is the God that he says he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And, and so I don't have to figure out the, pro the answers to the problems in my life. Like, that's, I mean, it's, it's obvious, but I, I, you don't have to. I don't have to. I don't have to know what's really even wrong. You know, I can just say, like, Lord, this sucks. <laughs> I need you to help me get out of here. And uh, he'll do that if I, if I believe in him. Um, and then the third point, just holiness, um, being this, the proper state of being for the Christian, um, you know, putting aside like thoughts that you kind of have to work to be holy. Like you do need to work to be holy. This is where it gets kind of dicey, but your spiritual man, like the Holy Spirit living inside of you, he's not varying in his holiness. The Holy Spirit is holy. And when you accept Jesus Christ, you know, to come and to live inside of you, that spirit is still holy inside of you. So now you have these two kind of beings, your spiritual man and your fleshly man. And sometimes the temptation is to think that your spiritual man fluctuates. And like sometimes for me, it's like I can feel like I need to strengthen my spiritual man or fix these problems with my spiritual man. But my spiritual man is holy because my spiritual man is the Holy Spirit. Like I don't have to address problems in the spiritual man, the answer is to die more to the flesh and to figure out and trust God to, like, use the, the Holy Bible scalpel, you know, to, to show me areas that he can just carve away and to get more and more of my flesh out of the way. Um, yeah, and just so, so learning more to die daily with God, but, um, yeah, and then in summary, just... Um, being with God more, I think the the conference really showed me that some actions that I'd taken in my life to try to correct myself had resulted in just kind of being a little, a tendency to get bored with like the Christianity that I thought was the answer and instead like reintroduce like the fervor in the Bible that I maybe once had that I tried to put away but like be mature enough to like direct it to a good place and to not just be like comparative or like corrective or all these things with my brothers and sisters, but just, you know, be excited about the word and study the word and do all that stuff, but just trust God to use you through it and to speak through it. And so, yeah. Um. That's, that's good. I think there's a lot of us that could probably relate to the idea that 
we like the Holy Spirit is a master, right? And uh, I think about you know Uriah is a is a craftsman, right? He he is in plumbing; that's his trade. And um, so the idea that the the Holy Spirit knows everything to know about God and the trade. <laughs> that what he wants to execute, he is the master. He knows all things. But to give him tools that aren't fit for the work is actually a problem with holiness. In other words, he's absolutely right. The spiritual man is holy through and through. If you're saved and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you put your faith in him, man, there's something inside of you that's holy through and through. But it's a matter matter of whether or not he can use the tool that you've given him on a day-to-day basis. Like, this is just kind of a crummy tool. It's not very holy. <laughs> I can't use this, it, you know, because we've dulled our senses to his work. And, and we haven't sought him and we haven't desired holiness. We want to be, be vessels of honor. We want to be tools fit for the trade. And so that is a work, okay? And so we've got to continue to purpose ourselves to that. Man, yeah? Right? Jake, you're up, man. guys so i kind of broke this down into a format that's something like how i arrived at spring retreat what i learned and then how i want to move forward post spring retreat um so how i came into it uh growing in the word and that's not to sound braggadocious or anything but i'm being discipled by josh ahora and it's awesome like discipleship works i mean and i want to encourage anybody that's in it like get excited about it because it's awesome um, but I'm also, like, timid in my faith at work. Like, I work with a lot of people who are lost, and they know I'm a Christian, but they don't know the gospel. So, like, what's missing there? Um, so I need to step out of that. Um, another way I came in, per, uh, personal aspirations, often making or taking precedence over uh, my faith. Um, whether that looks like hobbies or just being lazy, like what Connor mentioned, like, that's so true, and we all... We all do that. Um, and thirdly, rushed and often obligatory quiet times, which is just disgusting. Like, God wants to, he wants me to sit down with him and abide in him and learn for what he has for me and to take away something of value and not just check a box. And so um, three things that I learned um, through my time at Spring Retreat. The first thing would be, Make quiet time, um, what's this word say? <laughs> Devotional, <laughs> not obligational. Um, being a true man of God and just obey him. And so I want to talk about that first one. Um, so a common prayer in my heart is always that I would just learn to love God more, that I would truly feel that in my heart. Um, and how can I expect to love him more if I'm not abiding in him? And after Eric's message, me and Alvi actually broke out into the kitchen area to talk and pray. And it was just, it was on my heart. And it's like, Alvi is about to get married to Malaya. And it's so cool. And I was, we were talking and I was like, how, how could you expect to love Malaya more if you're not abiding in her, giving her that space? Um, to just further the relationship between you two. You know, does that look like 
you get up, Emily is in Columbia most of the time, and you guys have a phone call. Like, I'm relating this to devo- devotional time. And you guys spend 10 to 15 minutes, and your head's kind of somewhere else at the same time. Like, that does not harbor true love at all. And so I was convicted by that. Um, so, yeah, if you, if you claim to love that person, but don't lend your ear, your time, your life, then do you love them at all? So... Point two, being a man of God. Um, this kind of started in our Q&A session after uh, uh, Brandon's message on Friday. Um, it made me think of men in my life who um, have done so much. The, the man who led me to Christ, John Pedersen. The guy who basically kept me in my faith, Luke Kaler, all through college. Um, and then Miles, the guy who's leading me in Bible study. And many other guys like many others. Um, but none of these men, like, impacted me by being, in weird term, but softies, you know? Like, by being, like, halfway into their faith, but, like, kind of doing their own thing on the side. It, it was, like, a fervor for God's word and knowing what's true and what's not. And by, like, holding me accountable to that. Um, and so I, I want to be the same way, not so I can be, like, like, a true man of God, you know? And, like, I bench press 500 pounds. I'm close. No. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> um, but to be a true man of God so I can do the same thing to what people have done in my life. Um, I want that. And I know God wants that for me. He's put that on my heart. So how do I do that? Third point, I obey. Um, and this involves prayer and listening to the Holy Spirit's prodding. Um, how, how can you obey something if you don't know the commandment you're given? So that, uh, knowing that God can handle it, have confidence in him that he wouldn't put you anywhere where he knows you can't handle something. If you know God's putting you someplace, then through him in you, through the Holy Spirit, you can do that. And just trust him to do it. See, if I can place my trust in brothers in Christ, how much more can I place my trust in the Lord God? Um, And going into conclusion, how I want to leave spring retreat. Um, And it's just that third point, obeying God. Um, If he's willing for us to trust in him, and we do, and we obey, um, then we are living in God's will for our lives. Where else would we rather be? Um... It's awesome. O- obeying my God's calling in my life. And as I wrote these things out, I was like, how's that going to change me? I realized it just like pretty much reverses every way I came into spring retreat. So the first thing I said, I was timid. Obeying in God's word will force me out of my timidness. Like if God's called me to be bold in faith, you can't be bold and timid in the same moment. Um, it's going to force me to utilize my availability for ministry purchase or ministry purposes. <laughs> instead of vain pursuits and personal aspirations. And it's going to force me into slower, more personal form of quiet time when I know God will use, that, that I know God will use to sharpen me, to sharpen others. Um, so in the end, I, I'm trusting God, and I'm believing in what he's speaking to me, and I'm going to abide in him more. And I know a lot of us have said things like that before, um, but like, I mean it standing here right now, and I want accountability in that. So every every way that I've learned something from Spring Retreat, 
I just want you guys to keep me accountable. Like, ask me, how's that going? Specifically, I want to study the Bible with somebody at work. So pray for it, and then ask me about it. Um, but yeah, I love you guys. Springer Chief was awesome. Uh, man, that was that's a good message, man. Yeah, we need to get you preaching more. We'll work, we'll work on that. Um, you know, the the cool thing about Jake and Julia is that they haven't even come up on a year yet at, at MBT or uh, in Kaya. And man, it's so awesome to have you in this family, man. Oh gosh, yeah. It's so great um, to see how how you're purposed, both of you, uh, to follow the Lord and to love and, and serve the flock. And, and that's resulting in um, a, a testimony that is um, impacting the ministry. So thank you for that, um, for sharing that. Very well spoken. Um, Maddie Yoder, where are you? Havala was supposed to tell you. Havala, hmm. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh. Ma- hey, Maddie, can you do this? You got this. You can share what God showed you, right? Okay, I know you can. Okay, I'm glad that he didn't tell me the other day because I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> but. Through the, okay, so on Wednesday, the weekend before, I was like, I don't want to go to the retreat. I have a, so, like, I'm going into school in the fall for my bachelor's degree, and I was like, there's too much to do. And then I was like, I don't really have any money because I just spent a ridiculous amount of money for Costa Rica. And I was like, I don't even know if I want to go on that. Just, I don't know. All of it was so overwhelming. And so, like, after Bible study, Havala and I were talking for like 45 minutes and we basically it was like I knew that I was supposed to pray about school because I knew that I hadn't given it to God like I prayed about it but like just so I could say that I did and people wouldn't bug me about it and then <laughs> so so then like as I was going home I was like, I really need to do it. And I was, like, trying to come up with, like, every reason. Like, okay, like, if he didn't let me go to school this fall, then, like, I don't know. I was just coming up with, like, stupid excuses to not, like, pray about it. But then I woke up the next morning, and, like, if you have the Holy Spirit inside you, he will make you convicted, and you'll feel it. And so I felt awful. And then, so I was praying about it, and then they... I don't know. I just felt peace about it. And so at the retreat, Brandon's message, it was so uncomfortable. And like, I have listened to, <laughs> I have listened to him like for what, two and a half years. And that was the hardest message that I've ever sat through. And it was so good. And it was so timely just because they, well, like on Tuesday, I was like, I talked about you like that to you on Tuesday and so like 
there's always two sets of people that will be upset with me, whether or not, like, I choose to do more ministry or I choose to work more, but I serve God. And so, like, as long as I'm focusing on him, and even though there will always be two sets of people, he should be the only one that I'm concerned about. And so, like, the reason why it was hard for me to listen to him was because when I was nervous, whenever I got there, because I didn't want to be there, because he asked me. But then, just, like, listening to him, I was like, that's me. And because, like, since I don't, like, I don't know. I wasn't prepared for this at all. But (laughs) I'm sorry. But they, through, like, the past few months, I've realized, like, I've suppressed so much feelings and emotions. Like, oh, I'm not supposed to feel hurt. Or, like, this isn't supposed to be hard. So I won't. Like, I'll say that I deal with it, but then it just keeps coming back, and then it hurts even more, and then, like, I'll just be crying with Havala for an hour, and then it's just, like, it's worse whenever I don't just give it to him, and so then on Saturday morning, whenever Eric was preaching, he was, like, talking about Lot and how God just burned his place down, and he was like, okay, so I could either give it to him and it just like he could take everything away, take the 60 whatever credit hours that I've already done and it, use it or for something. And I'm like, I don't know. I just like going through all of it. And so, but I did pray about it. And it, like, I prayed about it with Rachel. And then afterwards, I prayed about it by myself. So it, like, I have a lot of peace about it. And even though, I don't know, I can just have a different perspective of it. Love like how I'm supposed to be with Jesus, and I'm supposed to be honest with Him because He loves me, and like I don't always have to be okay. If that makes sense, I don't know. Uh, am I done? <laughs> so, so some some backstory that some of you might not have picked up on is that Mad, Maddie is in school. Maddie probably doesn't, I won't say that she doesn't love school, okay, but she knows she's got, she's got an objective in mind, and so she's been going to school, and she's been taking more credit hours than she, what she's wanted to, and there's been lots of things, uh, the, the, the two sides that she's talking about is like, you know, sometimes her parents aren't a huge fan of how much she's doing in ministry, and then when her parents pull her the other direction, she's like caught in between, because then she knows that she's supposed to be doing ministry, and she's not sure if she's letting people down, and so she's concerned about what people think about her. And what she's telling you is that she doesn't have to have answers. And she doesn't have to please everyone. She needs to serve the Lord. And she needs to be okay when things don't fall out the way that they're supposed to. And let me tell you this. For her to say that is a huge decision that she's made in her heart and her mind. And so I'm really thankful that God showed you that. And I'm thankful that you shared that with us today. I love you. All right, Jake Bush, where are you? There he is, in the back, hoping that I'd forget about him. <laughs> I know this has got to be higher up for you. Nope. Oh, jeez. I thought I was tall. Um, and I really wish, like, I had, like, the same grit Uriah does, because I'm, like, super nervous right now. <laughs> Hopefully that, like, gets stifled into me. All right, so I think the biggest thing for me was pretty simple. 
Um, I'm going to read a verse real quick. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 6.19. What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. So the biggest thing, really, that was just Brian and um, Brandon just establishing that um, we have, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, and that how special that really is. And I think I've normalized that and let it become just something casual. Like in the Old Testament, people had to go to the temple. They had to go to the tabernacle. They had to go to these holy places to meet with God. And we just have that, and we can just call on God whenever we want. We don't need to do all this extra stuff because God made a way that we could just do it. Um, His son died for us that we could just do that. And uh, I'm trying not to cry. But yeah, that's just amazing to me, and I've like I've normalized that, and yeah, that hit me hard. Another thing was um, just this passage passage they shared from uh, First Samuel. I don't really know it, so I'm not gonna like share it because I would just butcher it. But it was um, where like the sons of Eli, right? They um, were like in the temple and they were fornicating with women, and that um, just made me think about like. Maybe ask myself the question, um, if I were in that time, if we were in that time, would we be doing the sins we do today in the temple? And of course we'd be like, heck no, that's, like, that's gross. Why would I do that? But the reality is that we are the temple, and we do do those sins. And there, it shouldn't be any different. And that was just super, like, that gave me so much clarity. Like, it was like when I first got glasses as a kid. <laughs> like, they were like, I was like... This is, everything was blurry, and then when they, like, established all that, I was like, wow, this is pretty clear. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how I didn't get this. <laughs> Especially when I was a kid. I didn't get glasses till sixth grade, and I was blind up until sixth grade. Like, I played baseball, and I was horrible. I was horrible every year until I got glasses. And then I was just like, wow, we should have done that sooner. <laughs> and I got lost. Uh, but yeah, that's just, yeah. <laughs> um, man, but yeah, that's, that just hit me hard. And seeing that, that, it shouldn't be something normal. Like, I should praise God for that every day, that um, I can just meet with him, and I can get to know him through his word. And uh, I don't have to go to these lengths, because he already did that for us. Yeah. I was also going to start this off by just saying I love you guys. I, uh. My chin, like, quivers when I'm, like, about to cry. I hate it so much. But um, I got saved March 27th last year right after a retreat. And what Jorge said was so true. Um, God can do so much with one year or four years. And this one year I've had with you guys has been better than uh, 19 years with the world. Yeah, that's about it. (laughs) Um, Please don't ask me to do that again. I won't. <laughs> you want to sit down? Uh, no, I'm good. Okay. You can stand here with me? Yeah. Okay. Um, so these times are always, man, like this, aren't they? Gosh. Um, because it, we, we don't get to always hear. Like some of you guys don't know Jake that well. And you don't always get to hear from him. And we don't always get to hear from Jake or Connor. Or, you know, we don't get to hear from everybody. And this gives us an opportunity to see what God's doing in, in lives. And so here's the cool thing is that there's some of you in here that just got saved in the last month. And to see that Jake can stand up here 
and share with you what God's doing in his life is such a huge testimony to where God's taking you and bringing you. And we need to not be afraid. Okay, we need to not be afraid. All right, we need to know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into this world to die for us, to set us free from darkness, from fear, from blindness, from not being able to see very well when we play baseball. I mean, or just when we live, right? Like living is like just darkness until you know Jesus Christ and he sets you free and you just continue to gain more and more insight into who he is and what he wants for us and what our lives can be. You understand? Like the possibilities in us are limitless in Jesus Christ. And his Holy Spirit is so easy to neglect. It's so mysterious and abstract and invisible that we just like forget about it day to day. But there's a power that lives inside of us that makes us different. And for those of you who don't know Jesus Christ, or maybe just don't know him well, maybe what you're seeing, even just in these people and their testimonies today, is just that Holy Spirit living through them, empowering them, right? And that needs to be in your heart. That needs to be a motivation to make a decision. Like, you should know Jesus Christ. He died for you the same way he died for the people in this room, right? And we don't have to live religious lives we don't have to live lives in our best thought or our best interest. We don't have to pursue the things that we've been taught to desire. Like, we can undo all of that, and we can be set free, and we can be unshackled, and we can live purpose-filled lives devoted to something way beyond ourselves, way beyond ourselves, okay? And, uh, and so I invite you into that. We're going we're gonna to worship and close, okay? So if the worship team can come up. Um, I want to invite you in our time of worship, if you know that God's dealing with you, okay, uh, maybe you weren't at retreat, and maybe God's dealing with you now. Maybe, maybe he's showing you something now. Take the time, carve some time out right now to pray with someone, ask some hard questions. There'll be people up here, if you want to meet with someone uh, and talk and pray, there'll be people up here to do that. Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I thank you for just their willingness to share what you're doing in them, and uh, Lord, just how they are practicing dying to self. God, you are such a good God, and you've called us uh, to something so much, uh, Lord, so much beyond what we ever imagined for ourselves growing up, you know, 8, 9, 10, 12, in high school, Lord, trying to decide what our careers were going to be, uh, Lord, where our parents were telling us that we were supposed to be, what our friends have showed us what, what we should be striving for, and, and the ambitions of our flesh are so futile and empty and vain and weak and and. And God, for some of us, we're discovering that for the very first time. And Lord, you want us to be holy and you want us to live for you. And there's so, something so much greater in that. And we know that you want to do great and mighty things in us. And so God, we ask that you'd help us. Lord, where we're weak, where, we're, where we have blind spots, uh, where we, Lord, sins that, like Tobias said, sins that weren't revealed to us, that we're beginning to discover in our lives, Lord, that we would have the strength and the capacity and the grace to deal with those and to lay them before you, and to go beyond that and pursue you in a way that's so much more holy than what it was before. We want to know you, and we want to know you more. And we pray for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sir, my hands are so sweaty. You're okay.